Support for Pivot comes from BetterHelp. How do you know when your social battery is running on empty? Maybe you get a little snippy with your friends or perhaps Scott Galloway. Or maybe you just fantasize about canceling plans, creating one excuse after. You're fantasizing about me? No, 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 never. You're fantasizing about me. Again? Again? Not once. Not once. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Get off my ad right now. All right. Canceling plans, creating one excuse after another, why you have to stay in. I do that to Scott all the time. It's not easy to keep track of how much socializing is right for you. Therapy can help you build more awareness of what you need and when. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy with licensed professionals. Scheduling is convenient and finding a therapist suited to your style is quick and easy. And we all know Scott Galloway needs therapy. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash pivot today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners, too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm here to announce I'm going into space tomorrow. (laughs) I have purchased something called the Rocket Trampoline. Uh Uh-huh. My my oh, man, adventures in space are only going to cost about fourteen hundred and fifty bucks. And there's there's several kids in the neighborhood that I'll say are you know enjoy eating. I'll just put it that way. Uh-huh. And you know how when someone bounces right before you, you go really high. Yeah, I'm gonna my technology is I'm getting seventy of these kids. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, bounce right before I bounce. And then I think I can get into near space. And, and grab onto Jeff Bezos. You're still chasing Jeff Bezos, aren't you? That's I am chasing that hunk, of, <laughs> that hunk of steroid People love. People liked our show Latin. This that one. hunk of steroid People love. People loved it. Even my mother liked it. And she doesn't like anything I do. Oh, gosh. Uh, Lucky. That's what we need. Get I her know. off the roads. Isn't he gay? Actually, you know what? Better yet, <laughs> I'm going to bid $2.8 million for that seat will, and put Lucky on I that ship. I will help you do that. I will that So Lucky be- can turn to Bezos and go, wait, aren't you gay and on steroids? The whole trip to inner space. Oh, man, he couldn't take her. He couldn't take her. He couldn't take her. Anyway, there's lots more news than Jeff Bezos and his love affair with Scott Galloway. Um, so President Biden is revoking uh, former President Trump's executive orders uh, targeting TikTok and WeChat, but he's replacing them with orders with apps linked to to, 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 to study these apps linked to foreign adversaries, which might be worse, Casey Newton wrote, for TikTok and stuff. So they're sort of out of the woods of crazy town, but now they're entering yeah. a reasonable town where we actually study these things and do things about it. Um, what do you think of this? situation. You summarize it perfectly, and you've written about it, that Mm -hmm. any solution has to be systemic. Otherwise, it creates a distraction. It's usually not legal. Nobody takes it seriously. Everyone just nods and then does nothing because they realize it's probably not enforceable. It's similar to when uh, senators or regulators, uh, you know, posture and peacock or your word swan. Like the social media laws of Florida. Exactly. Going after specific companies. You're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. You have to make, you have to have systemic change. It's just, you know, it's just so alien. I don't Mm -hmm. know about you. It's so alien for me to wake up 
and read about the White House's actions and go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It, just, yeah. it feels alien. You know what was interesting about President Trump? He was directionally correct and executionally incompetent. It, you know, this was like, we need around to look- China, at, yeah, so. Around yeah. China, very much so. Around China, but same thing. I mean, it's just, it, it's a really interesting thing. But I do think that TikTok, you know, they announced these face- prints and stuff, which I thought was mm-hmm. not a great idea for them to do this week. And so they're going to be scrutinized. And I, they're not out of the woods by any stretch, and nor should they be. This is not, at the same time, uh, this is, you know, we'll see how what happens if, if the Biden administration actually follows through on really studying this stuff rather than making it into a, a political football that it was. And that was a missed opportunity. It really was. And it was felt like it was at the behest of Facebook and others in this country. It felt not well thought out and it felt illegal, like the way they were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, it, it's hard to support things that are done in such a crazy town way. Um, but at the same time, and speaking of China, um, series of stories have coming out and they have been over the past couple of weeks uh, about the disappearance of Jack, uh, Chinese innovator Jack Ma, who's the most famous person in that country. Mm-hmm. If you go there, it's very clear. He had, you know, runs Alibaba, owned, created all kinds of ant, all, all kinds of stuff there. Just essentially, if for people who don't understand, Jack Ma is like if you took Elon Musk and mashed him together with Mark Zuckerberg yeah, and Bill and Gates, Bill and, Gates and, Yusan, yeah. and uh, all of them, really, you yeah. know, and, and Elon Musk, throw in a little Elon Musk. Yeah. That's who he is. He's really famous. Well, they've cut his power rather significantly through antitrust actions, cut his fortune in half, g- giving away pieces of his empire. When um, he disappeared for so, a couple of weeks, right? He has disappeared. I yeah. know him very well. Um, he is such an interesting and energetic innovator and was sort of leading the way to this new China of, of, of entrepreneurship. So it's a real, I, I really would love to under, I'd love to talk to him and find out what's going on. But at the same time, it's really chilling what China is doing here. Um, and at the same time, you know, we all support antitrust actions, but the difference between a, a country of law and moving it, as, as much as we complain about the slowness and the inaction, this is just the, op, the, the polar opposite. Well, yeah. So China is doing a lot worse than than sequestering and and stripping a you know a billionaire of its rights. But there is, you know, when you think about how fortunate we are in the U.S. and China, you have to. I don't think it's it's not great to be poor in China, right? For a mm-hmm. lot of reasons, uh, or, or or to be a, a you know an ethnic minority or whatever it is. It's not a great place to live, and it's also quite frankly, not a great place to be super wealthy. A third of millionaires, somewhere between a third and two thirds of all millionaires in China have either left or want to leave because they're worried about unilateral action, private property laws, the fact that you get a robust defense uh, in the U.S. Quite frankly, if you're rich, you can probably overrun the law. We'll be talking about that in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah. uh, And uh, so it's, it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome to be a billionaire in the United States. In China, I think you want to be kind of billionaire-ish. And also, it's similar to Russia. You have to sign up for being an agent of the government or they'll take your shit away. They'll be like, great, yeah, no, you have rights. Meet these guys, they're putting you in jail or they're commandeering a flight over another nation yeah. or we're going to disappear you. Or I mean, when he, were they doing? Was, he was more well-known and I think beloved than than she. Um, and so I think this is go, plays into it. You know, this, this sort of cult of personality thing is frowned upon unless it's the government. Um, and so it was really interesting for them to do this. I wonder if he tried to get out or tried mm-hmm. to move or, uh, you know, he's such a, if you ever interview me, he's the most energetic person. He's like, you have to sort of 
strap him in his seat kind of thing. And of course, he was behind so many, you know, this was an investment that saved Yahoo. Uh, um, Jerry Yang is someone who um, who met him and invested mm-hmm. in Jack Ma early on. Some of his innovations are really fascinating. He had many more women on staff than anyone else. He's, mm-hmm. you know, there's not everything's perfect about Alibaba, but boy, was it a really interesting way to create a company in a country that needed entrepreneurship like this. So it, that story in Forbes, you should read it. It's really, there's yeah. been many, but that one's particularly clear about what's well, happening. Well, Neil, Neil Ferguson said something very interesting. He said, China's a lot more fragile and vulnerable than people realize because when you have a one-party state, yeah. you know, here we we bounce a party out of power for four years and they regroup and rethink things and the country gets sick of the party in power and votes back in the other party. You know, any change in the party system there is revolution. Yeah. And so the the party in power, uh, you know, they come to play. They're like anyone who threatens us, any perceived threat, they take real action against. And also people don't have the same laws and freedoms and protections we enjoy here. And also I, people don't realize all the shit we have that protects all our property mm-hmm. and slows down the system from wrongful persecution, although there still is a lot of wrongful persecution, yeah. especially among people of color. Um, I was reading about the Innocence Project the other day. It costs money, mm-hmm. and uh, it, which you know is sort of a bridge to the other story we're going to talk about. But it's just there's just so many reasons I think to be grateful that um, you don't live in China. While we're as innovators obsessed with it because they make great payment apps, you don't want to be. I, I just uh, you would much rather be a modestly successful entrepreneur in America than a wildly successful entrepreneur or in China. you'd rather be Mark Zuckerberg here because he's oh, going to he, slow. He would, the role are is you gonna, kidding in China? The role is going to be slow for Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yeah. Before we get to that next story, yeah. Amazon, this new, speaking of overreach, Amazon is enabling its new sidewalk feature that automatically connects all of its smart home devices like Ring uh, and Echo. Um, you can choose to opt out of the feature. You didn't get to choose in. They just turned it on. But mm-hmm. again, it brings up renewed privacy concerns the New York Times uh, had a really good piece explaining this. You know, there may not be that many privacy issues or security issues, really. Um, but boy, honestly, I, can, I, I did a post where I was like, can they just let you opt in? Like even mm-hmm. a little like, hey, we're doing this. This is what it does. It will make your life easier. And here's why. They, it, it's amazing how they do this. I just am like, I don't know. It's yeah, opt-in versus opt-out. That's, that's actually really interesting. Whereas, you know, Apple has said you have to opt-in for the tracking across uh, different uh, different sites for uh, ad targeting. And so the difference between opt-in Although and out- Apple has enabled mesh networks without your permission. They all do it. They all do this right. without but your, your permission. Opt-in versus opt-out is about an 80% share difference. If yep. you ask people to opt-in, you'll get 10%. If you ask them to opt-out, you get 90% because right? people are lazy. And it doesn't work without all the people opting in the, yeah. these mesh the, networks. It's just- I, I, will, I will say I'll probably do this. Mm-hmm. I think that people talk a big game about privacy. I think Amazon actually has a decent amount of credibility. They, this their is systems, what the Time story talked about, yeah. Their systems haven't been hacked to the same extent that some other systems. And people, well, people talk a big game about privacy every day in terms of their actions. They opt for a lack of privacy as long as there's utility in exchange. And Amazon has a habit of doing that. So, yeah. I, I mean, just personally, I, I, get it. I won't they just opt should out. say, here's why we want to do Agreed. it. I, or, or at least explain it as they're turning it on much better. I just don't, I, I don't have, I I don't have echoes or, and I don't have rings. I just, you know, I just, I don't, I, it's more irritation than anything else. I'm not necessarily as nervous about it. We love it. That's how we speak to each other in the house. Oh, we do, we do. Nolan, come finish, you know, Alexa announced, dun, dun, Nolan, come finish your dinner. And then, you know, dun, dun. What? No, dad, leave me alone. I hate you. (laughs) 
That sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah, we, we have Alexa. Wow. We have Alexa throughout the house. Really? Oh, I just yeah. yell up it. the stairs. We I'm a yeller it. up the stairs. Ah, blah, blah. Like that kind of thing. That's <laughs> we love it. No, it all... It all but you it, have such a vast house compared to mine that you can yell up the stairs. That's upstairs. just a preface to the yelling. It soon evolves to the yelling and yeah. someone going upstairs yeah. and then the dog pop, following pop, me pop. and peeing on the carpet. Are and, you listening to me? Uh, oh, my anyway, God. <laughs> I know. We live the same life. You just have a nicer house. Um, so let me move on. Speaking of overreach. Which is going into space. I'm yes, here to announce I know. now. Can I have your house when you go into space? Uh, Carrie, you're welcome anytime. No, but can I you have guys it? love it. Can Just I bring the golden child. It. I'd like to own it. Just bring the golden here's the deal. child. I have relatives that uh, believe in the, um, you know, when everyone goes up, the rapture. I have relatives who believe oh, in the shit. rapture. Yeah, really? And so my brother made, um, <laughs> he made um, bumper stickers one year that said, when the rapture comes, can I have your stuff? Um <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. Yeah, so can no, I have your stuff when you go into space and eventually, you know, meet, marry and live with Jeff Bezos on Mars? You know, if it happens, I just want to be super fucking high because I think it'll burn a little bit brighter. I mean, yeah. rapture on its own would be pretty cool, but it'd be awesome high. Yeah. Oh, to be up it'd with be Jeff awesome Bezos high. Yeah. on Mars. There you go. Yeah. By the way, 70% of Republicans now believe in think gay marriage is just fine. So... Where did it, that come from? It just did. It was a little out of the saying, blue. I'm just saying you're marrying Jeff rapture? Bezos. I mean, now sorry, the Republicans are on your side. Anyway, we're going to move on to big stories. A ProPublica analysis found the world's richest people paid close to nothing in federal income taxes between 2014 mm -hmm. and 2018. The report released this week showed that the 25 richest Americans, including Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, paid almost nothing in federal income taxes. It's a little tricky because they don't pay themselves. They make money in other ways by taking mm -hmm. loans against their stock, their stock appreciation. This is against a backdrop of huge appreciation in their stock for, I think it's $401 billion. Yeah. According to research, because of the... You complex tax code in the U.S. It favors wealth versus labor income. It was easy for wealthy Americans to find massive loopholes, but they aren't really loopholes. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, now federal authorities are investigating disclosure of this private tax information, which could be prosecuted as a criminal offense. Scott, explain what this was essentially saying, which is something that is a shock, but no surprise. Yeah, first off, it's kind of interesting that the the person who probably get in the most trouble is the person who leaked this information. But look, here's here's what it comes right down to, and that is one. And I'll I'll finish. I'll start where I'll finish. Do we want a progressive tax system in our society? Mm -hmm. First off, we have to make that decision because ever since Reagan, it's slowly but surely become regressive. Where billionaires now pay the lowest tax rate. Do we want that? On average, these individuals paid, in terms of an increase of their wealth, about four and a half percent to the less. governments. There's less. a less than that. Yeah. Three. So they basically and some people like no Warren tax. Buffett under one percent. But go ahead. But to solve it, to come up with a thoughtful solution. So let's assume we think, okay, the wealthiest people in the world shouldn't pay the least amount of tax because that only means p people who are less wealthy have to pay more tax. And we believe in a progressive tax structure. This is the mechanics of it. We have printed probably tens of thousands of people, and I'm not talking even like the top guy or gal mm -hmm. at, at Clover or Square or Lemonade or Airbnb, but these companies have printed thousands, if not tens of thousands of people say worth 50 to $100 million. So let's be ambitious. Let's say we're worth $100 million, mm -hmm. right? What we do is uh, say we need $2 million a year or $3 million a year to, to run our fat lifestyle. A quarter of a million dollars a month is what we spend. Yeah. Instead of selling the stock, which triggers a capital gain, you borrow 
three million dollars against your holdings, mm -hmm. right? And yep. that's you get to borrow at one percent interest because interest rates are so low, and all these investment banks want to manage the wealth of high net worth people. So you borrow three million dollars. So now you owe you only owe nine. You only technically have 97 million in wealth. But if your stocks go up more than 3% a year, you have more net worth and you pay 1%, but you don't pay any and taxes. And you get a tax break on the loan. That's right. And you get a tax lien on the interest on the loan. Or better yet, say you take, say you have a private company. It's not a liquid stock. Michael and you Bloomberg pay, was in this group. And you pay yourself a million dollars in salary. Well, I know I'm going to take 1% of the, 10% uh, of the company and put it in a charitable trust. I don't even have to give the money away. I just put it in a charitable trust and I get a $10 million tax deduction, mm -hmm. meaning any money I pay myself is tax free. So in some, yeah, in some. Yeah, the charitable deduction. And also you can determine all these CEOs that give a dollar to themselves. That is not a good thing. They are, they are just deciding on their income, essentially, is what you're saying. Well, what I'm essentially saying is that, one, if you're worth more than $50 million, you don't have to be evil. You don't have to be nefarious. You don't have to be really cunning. There's no reason you should ever pay tax. So first off, are we comfortable with that? Are we comfortable with the notion that once you hit $50 million in wealth, you effectively leave the tax system and are no longer contributing to our Navy, our parks and services, or to Social Security? That is a fact, that if you have over $50 million, relatively smart people can figure out a way for you to not pay tax. So the question is, how do we figure out a way where tax isn't dependent upon income-triggering events. That's right. It, it, it becomes somewhat like there's an AMT related to your increase in wealth or something like, because the bottom line is, uh, the really wealthy people can avoid income-triggering events. Right. And Carl Icahn summarized it. He said, they said you paid no income tax. And he rightfully said, well, I had no income. Right. Because I was able to, uh, he's able to offset it with expenses and charitable giving such that he can report zero income year after year. Right. Well, the whole idea behind this is you don't, you can pick your income. That's what it is. That's you, right. I, I want to pick the, my income and what works best for me. I can say I'm making a dollar and then give me kudos for only taking a dollar. That I was always, that was always such bullshit when tech companies do that. Uh, the CEO is only making, not only making a dollar. Secondly, the borrowing situation that people don't realize. Um, but what's really interesting is, is there, the Biden administration is trying to raise um, taxes on the wealthiest um, by by a few percentage points from 37, to, I think, to 39.6. But that does hit people who can't do this, who have make income, who make big point. salaries, like a lawyer makes a big salary, That's doesn't get point. stock. And so they're like, look, I pay 37% right now. And I can't, I can't borrow against, you know, ghost sock essentially. And so I pay, I'll pay that, that difference. So what it does hit is it hits wealthy people, people in the middle class, they're paying 14%, 14 to 15% typically. Um, and so everybody pays much, much more than the very wealthy. And so it is progressive up to a point, right? Because you go from 14 to 37%, depending on your wealth, but it's all based on income. So will this renew calls for this wealth tax, which which the Biden administration isn't has has rejected? Because the, the, this, the increases they're making are people already paying those large amounts of money in taxes, even if you're rich. And it's easy to sort of soak the rich. But in this case, you're not really soaking the really rich. You're soaking, you know, others. And that may be, maybe we should pay more in taxes as, as people who are wealthy. But one of the things that happen is there's not a wealth tax for this increase in value in stock mm -hmm. and then what they're able to do with it. What do you, do you think there is a, there will be this, I think calling it a wealth tax is the problem because everybody likes wealth. 
Well, so, so first off, your point is exactly the right one, and that is, uh, as humans, we like to simplify into a construct such that we can say, immediately look at someone and make a stereotype. And the stereotype around taxes, okay, young people are, or lower middle income people pay more in usage and consumption taxes. And then we like to think that it's easy to think, oh, as you get richer, you pay less and less taxes. To your point, the person that gets really screwed here is the workhorse. The general counsel at a big tech firm that didn't get a lot of stock makes half a million a year, and maybe her husband is a dentist making two or 300000 a year, and they have to live in a major metro to have those kind of jobs. So they make $800,000 a year, and you think, wow, that's amazing. If they live in New Jersey, California, or Manhattan, they pay 50% in taxes. And when you talk about take-home pay at $400,000, if you have two kids in those areas, you're not, you're not rolling in it. You're not living large. So the wealthy are actually the ones that I believe are probably paying that have the biggest burden. And the now, middle class, 14%. Uh, fair in, enough. In, but the super rich, <laughs> the super rich, boom. Once you're, once the majority of your income comes from assets, you can, you can, you can make the jump to light speed and you're on the gold medal platform and they give you three gold medals. Now, the question is, I don't think a wealth tax works for several reasons. And if you did a wealth tax, I think it'd have to be one time. Mm-hmm. And the first is capital and wealthy people are the most mobile people in capital in the world. Mm-hmm. They just don't have a problem. They spend a lot of their lives on the road anyways. They can lubricate it with private jets and they can say, all right, we're moving to Toronto where our domicile now is in London. And this is what Bernard Arnault did. When France tried to put a wealth tax on people, Bernard Arnault said, congratulations, I now live in Belgium. I now live in Brussels, and the wealthiest man in Europe changed his tax domain, and there's nothing he can do about it. What you could do is a one-time wealth tax Mm -hmm. where you said, look, there's been a windfall here, and that would probably not motivate people to move countries, kind of a one-time thing. I think a column suggesting this. And then you have to have probably get rid of get rid of trust exemptions. The other real yeah, if the you trust, want to, the other thing is the, the part of this story was they can then jump it to their kids, so that's never right. or their grandkids, and they, but they still have control of it. This ability to do that. But the wealthiest people in this nation um, are the most tax advantaged, and there are two groups. The first is entrepreneurs. And by the way, so I'm an entrepreneur, and to your point, I've never taken a salary. I've always poured my money back in because I thought if my equity becomes more, I pay less on that wealth mm-hmm. accretion, and I can afford not to take a salary. So I've never taken a salary. And if you sell a small business and you were a shareholder in the company before it was worth $50 million and you've held it for five years, the first $10 million is tax-free. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurs are some of the wealthiest people in the nation. The second largest cohort of wealth is also the most tax advantaged, and that's people who own real estate. And inherited wealth. Uh, so you have in real estate, it's the only asset class where if I own a building that's worth $100 million, I get to depreciate it 2 or 3% a year. So I get a tax write-off, mm-hmm. even though it's likely going up in value 46, 4 to 6%. And then if I decide to sell it, I have six months to, t- what is it, 10B1 exchange it into another asset. If you sell stock even, you don't have six months to throw it into another stock and not pay taxes. So the mm-hmm. wealthiest people in the nation are the most tax advantaged. So there's all kinds of loopholes we yeah. could close mm-hmm. that would hit the kind of the most fortunate the among us. borrowing against it is really interesting, this ability yeah. to borrow. And that's not going away. And again, they get a tax advantage. This this story, I, again, we've been aware of this. And actually, we talked last week about the corporate tax, right? And the idea of doing that. It's the same kind of thing um, that they're pulling. Just it's it's What's interesting is that um, how angry people will get about this. You know, I, I just, I, I interviewed the reporters, one of the reporters who did this story. And he, of course, is like, there were issues around the sourcing of this thing. 
not 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 that they were bad sources because these turned out to be very accurate, but the the leaking of it and stuff like that, and they're they're being mm-hmm. very cagey about that as they should because they could be in legal jeopardy. Um, but um, one of the things he you know he wouldn't say what he thought was the best thing to happen, but certainly this administration is not going to do that. Is not going to put a wealth tax, which is they're going to soak the sort of rich, the less rich but rich kind of thing, and then um, and then ignore these billionaires who the run up in value of the stocks of these tech guys is and they're all guys is astonishing is an astonishing amount of billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars of which they will give themselves a dollar salary and then and then actually take take deductions and write-offs and so we have mm-hmm. to pay them because they and then they then they lord it around when they give away money right they oh i'm such a good giver it's good for them to give it, it's a tax advantage for them you don't to even give. have to designate who you're giving to elon yeah. musk oh. added the gdp of hungary in the last 12 months yeah. he has a you know worth of 150 billion dollars he takes a billion dollars at one percent loan against his stock in tesla and then if for some reason he has a, a hundred million dollar triggering event because he sells some stock he just says you know i'm going to take a billion dollars and put it in a fund that's designated for charity. Yeah. And that's a tax write-off. And yeah. not only that, he Zuckerberg can borrow money this. against the money in that charitable, designated yeah, the charitable trust. Thing was really well done in this thing. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's anything. But of course, they, you know, they cry like stuck pigs, like, how dare you take my taxes? And I get that. I get that. These things should be confidential. But the fact that they can do this so legally and so easily is really... Um, so the next time a CEO says, I take a dollar uh, a dollar in tax, tell them they're assholes. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Or I'm starting this giant charity. It is not in, look, we may benefit from it, but they also get to mm-hmm. pick and choose the policies they're going to, like, why does Mark Zuckerberg get to pick education as, you know, a well-known education expert, Mark Zuckerberg, give me a break. It's, you know, and then of course people suck up to them because they want that, those nonprofits do want that money. So it is, they are not paying taxes the way they should, these very rich people and everybody else. And I mean, everyone else, including including rich people are getting screwed. Um, well, and, and then anything that you propose around it, it the, the Republican Party will say it's a radical idea. And it's like, these, that's radical. We're talking about rich. This is we're super- talking about going back to like Reagan, where there was no difference between capital gains and current income. Yeah. We're talking about going back to the first Bush, where taxes on the top 1% were <gasps> gas, 40%, not 17%. These aren't radical ideas. America has generally bought into the notion that the most fortunate, the most productive, whatever you want to call the top 1% should pay more in taxes. And unfortunately, I don't think much is going to happen no, because I think this, I think the problem is us. And that is deep down, I think we, uh, uh, no longer go to church. We no longer believe in a super bang. Yeah, we believe so we in Elon Musk. Jesus we believe in Jeff Bezos. Yeah, and, and they do believe- that. They lord that we created all these jobs. So what? So what? We you believe, still have to pay your taxes. We believe they're innovators. They're our yeah. new Jesus Christ. And we kind of like, oh, you know, it is what it is. And here's the reality. The, in America, and this is what's different about America versus China, regulatory arbitrage, being very aggressive, starting a business without business licenses, hiring a lot of people, a lobbyist, to, to go to the most coin-operated senators in the U.S. Senate. Of which there and, are many. And not pay a lot of tax. The regulatory arbitrage is a fantastic investment in business in the U.S. 
It'll probably get you disappeared in, in China. They yeah. do not go for the regulatory arbitrage, yeah. try and put yeah, pressure on the government or spirit. They just take their money. They just take their they money. Just show, Let me well, see. Well, look the, what they did in the Gulf. Remember when they yeah. put them all up at the yeah, Ritz-Carlton the for three days and said, by the way, that this is about guy. to become that a prison unless MBS. you give us— That was unless, uh, Bonesaw. Right. Mr. Unless Mr. you Bonesaw. give us 30% or 50% of your assets. Yeah. And when you have three days, even at the Ritz-Carlton, uh, to contemplate Should being in prison for the rest of your life— Should we just take the money from them? Just show up. We go into space with them. We're going to space with them. Baby, we go to space. We're going to send Lucky, we go to space. Lucky in space. Um, but one of the disappointing ones here is obviously Warren Buffett, who paid the very least. I mean, they're going to l- release more of this stuff. They only picked five or four or five to show the specifics, Bloomberg. But, but Warren Buffett paid less than 1%. And he did say, I want to pay more. Like, I am paying what I'm supposed to pay. And, you know, he gets to pick and choose his income. And as much well, as I am. It's not their fault. It's our fault. It's not. 100%. We have to, we have to he elect He did say, people I want to pay more. This is wrong. But- I don't know we what to say. We have to elect people who have the backbone to put in place to return to our proud legacy of a progressive tax structure. Yeah. And most wealthy people will support uh, a lot. Or let me put this way: a lot of wealthy people will support. They will support these policies. They're just not going to disarm unilaterally. Yeah. What is They're income, say, Scott? What I'm sorry? is income? We've got to redefine what is income? income. There you go. Anyway, well, what is wealth? What, what is, is true wealth? wealth? Anyway, all right, Scott. Let's go on a quick break and come back to talk about the future of wearables industry as Facebook jumps in and a listener mail question. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Welcome back. The Verge is reporting that Facebook will be releasing its first smartwatch next summer. As they screwed up in phones, they're coming back with a smartwatch. Obviously, they're an Oculus. What could possibly go wrong? The watch will reportedly come in two cameras for direct upload to Facebook and Instagram. This puts Facebook in direct competition with its big tech nemesis, Apple, in the wearable space. Uh, Apple sold 34 million watches last year. That business, even though people made a little bit of fun of it, is doing rather well. Um, it was interesting because Facebook also took Adam Masseri took aim at Facebook's uh, about the 30% around creators. They're also pushing heavy into the creator space um, and trying to help them monetize outside of the app store. But what do you think about this? The Facebook watch, would you buy, a, I didn't buy their other one, their, whatever their, their version of Echo is, like what, a portal? Someone gave me one as a joke and I literally left it in the box and wrapped it in cellophane. But what do you, what do you think about this? Well, the only non-hardware company that's had any 
luck building hardware has been Amazon with Alexa. Alexa mm-hmm. is a very elegant device. And they buying spent, ring. And buying ring. Uh, they spent tens of billions on it. The Google phone, the Google Pixel phone is supposed to be a superior phone, but it hasn't really gotten any traction. Mm-hmm. Facebook's portal has been a disaster. Hardware is really difficult. This mm-hmm. is no easier for Facebook to do than for Apple to start a social network. Yeah, they, which ping. They, it was called ping and it was a disaster. There's a natural, and I do think there's a lesson here. I talk to a lot of young people all the time, and some of them are, are in good jobs, and some of them also have small businesses, and they think, hey, I'm thinking about getting into that business. And I'm like, just trust me on this. Mm-hmm. Every business looks much easier when it's when it when you're looking at it from afar yes <laughs> and building a piece of hardware especially a piece of hardware that people want to put on their person people put things on their person for two reasons for warmth and to find people to have sex with mm-hmm. and it's either for utility and that's about three percent of it and another 97 97 percent is you want to signal strength or attractiveness and these hardware devices the only the only wearable that has really worked in my view is the AirPods Max, which on their own, mm-hmm. on their own, are a Fortune 50 company. The Apple Watch, no other company could have pulled that off. It took massive investment. It was a big thud in the beginning. It has such a strong brand. And it, I would argue it's not a wearable. It's a second screen for your phone. Yeah. I think wearables I see a lot pro- of people with it. I was, I, I have, I've had four of them. I don't wear any of them. I don't like them. I, 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 I wear the AirPods all, all the time. Remember the Nike Fuel Band? Yes, I Remember had that Remember Jawbone? Jawbone. I mean, oh, I, we, you couldn't we go to a conference without that. someone giving you a wearable. We introduced Jawbone at one of our All Things D conferences. Um, but the majority of people are only going to put on, you know, something that they think makes them look. I put on a panorama. So what do we think for, about this? So you're saying no one wants to put on a Facebook oh, fucking watch. Dead, dead on arrival, even if they don't know it. Wow. At Facebook, I think it is so difficult. Let me put it this way. I think Apple has about as much. Um, uh, there's a greater likelihood of Apple launching a very successful social media network than Facebook producing a wearable that people want. Mm-hmm. It, the hardware on, uh, that you put on, I think wearables is right up there with 3D printing and VR in terms of overhyped yeah, technology. I call them unwearables for the most part. I've tried all well, the wearables. Name one that's a success that I didn't I name. don't, you can see. I have them all. I have a they box of them. just don't. I have a box Even my San son Francisco. who was like going crazy for an Oculus, we got it. It was a ton of fun for two or three hours and that's it. It's like, okay, I feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does just, that fit with what, what they're doing? I agree with you on this. I agree with you. I think eventually augmented reality glasses will be interesting, but I think Apple will give them to us, not Facebook. You know, even though Apple's in, uh, Facebook has their VR thing, I think this will be an Apple business. I worked with a lot of luxury brands, mm-hmm. uh, everyone from LVMH, Caring Group, to Richemont. And when you go to um, Maybe uh, an Amazon business. the headquarters in Hermes and you see that they are buying uh, python farms in Brazil because they want to make sure they have access to the best python skins. And then you meet this 78-year-old woman who stitches the Birkin band by mm-hmm. hand. Do you realize that the grace and artisanship that goes into things that people will pay a lot of money for to put on their person – it's extraordinary. Yeah. And, you know, or you go to the, the design labs at Porsche or you see what the history of Ferrari. And these tech companies are so incredibly arrogant that they yeah. think they can figure out a way to get you to <laughs> wear something why, because why it connects you, to What do you Instagram. imagine is happy meaning where they're going, we're going to do this? Uh, let me just say, Mark Zuckerberg, you're in the social media business and that's all you're going to get. I don't see them making anything else. I, listen, I hope, I, look, let me, let me be wrong about this, but that's your business, my friend. And this idea of wearables and everything else, I mean, it'll be very nice if you make a nice Oculus, but it's not a huge business for you. Um, and I, again, 
I could be wrong. And in 10 years, someone could pull this quote out. But this is not a space. I mean, and Amazon has had, tried to do, if you remember the phone, and they tried to do, you know, they've done pretty well with uh, the Kindles. Pretty well. Not great, but good. Like, it's a good business. So the only two players here that are actually good at one is Apple far and away. They run laps yeah. around everybody That's else. That's what they do. That's what they do. And then Amazon has done has put in a pretty good show. Yep. By the way, yep. Microsoft made a very, very good uh, phone. I liked that phone a lot, but couldn't handle it. That said, they then pivoted into all their gaming stuff. And now there's right. a good story in the Wall Street Journal today, I think, about how they're not relying just on consoles. They bought Minecraft. They bought 15 different yeah. gaming services. Yeah. That's that's really smart and plays right into their business. So that you need to play into your social media business. And the problem Facebook's going to face going forward is they don't have a device. They don't have a, a TV. Well, they're not vertical, right? They're they don't, not, control they don't have a network. Yeah. They don't yeah. own. I feel like they kind of got to move into content or something, but they're not going to. They're not going to. I don't know. The gangster, the gangster move and what could happen is that if, I mean, assuming the antitrust uh, slumber continues is this new discovery uh, uh, discovery plus throws up in its first earnings as they try to transfer oh, to Facebook CNN plus and then Facebook comes in and buys discover yeah but that that's be, still not a distribution that's still not distribution like they, they kind of got to buy Roku like you say or something mm, like that that's a good point yeah, um, vertical you know, distribution. I don't know if it says much about the battle between Zuckerberg and Coke but I'm sorry Mark you're not up to him in this space you're just not it's literally like watching like a very tiny person play LeBron James. <laughs> Very and listen, Apple's got it's like watching of, Mark Zuckerberg play. Like Tim Cook. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Apple has plenty of problems. They've got a real issue with this app store. It's very vulnerable in China. Everybody has vulnerabilities. But in this space, no. They are good. And they, they recover well, by the way. Do you believe that? AirPods, AirPods if they were a distinct great. company, Friggin if they were a distinct great. company, would be a Fortune 50 company. Just that, what just a that great product. one product. I love it's my the AirPods. Best, it's the most successful wearable. And the Apple Watch, uh, if it didn't have Apple behind it, wouldn't have worked. And it took a decade. People and love I still it. don't think it's a great product. I, and it's I not agree. a wearable. I agree. I agree. But I got to tell you, I see it on everybody's wrist. And these are regular people, not Silicon Valley. I've just been noticing everyone's wearing yeah. one. And I'm like, huh. I think they use it for exercise and health. And what about the Amazon <laughs> Halo? Did you try that? The, was, the, yes, I, it's I, not a watch. It, it, was it figures out your mood. It was and, I gave it up. I had yeah. it. I don't know where it went. It's in my yeah. box. It's in my box. I have a box of things, and there's I've got every you know what single I had when jawbone. I was in the tenth grade. What? I had a mood ring. I have remember a mood those. Ring. I have one. Ooh, Scott's Scott's happy. I, I have one. And I, have one. I couldn't figure out what the color was for deeply insecure and acne riddled. That Red. was the color Red that I orange. basically had all the time. Red and orange. That's the color. Cynical, deeply insecure, Blue is and good. adding Blue up to and nothing. Green what are good. color was that? Adding up to nothing. <laughs> Remember mood rings? Do you Black. remember mood rings? I remember them. I have one still. Oh I have God. one in that box with all the other stuff. It's a lot of I remember the being out on the golf course it. with my father. That was the only time yeah. we got to spend time with each other was he would go play golf and I would try and find like lost balls because he was such a oh cheap, my God. That cheap is motherfucker. That is a poignant and sad moment And to think it would about. be really windy and cold on the golf course and I would sit there and hold my hand in the air and go, Dad, look at all the moods I'm in. I'm like, <laughs> Shut up, you wee bastard. Find my titleless ball. I mean... Anyway, hold me. That sounds hold like me. a loving, loving hold relationship. Me. Oh my God. I literally spent the morning like Meet your with, new mother. <laughs> Meet your new mother. Oh Scott. Oh, I'm and so tell sad that for the bitch Scotty. your mother her child support is not coming this month. <laughs> 
Well, Scotty. Uh, no, this week on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> I liked your show last week, The Trillionaire's House. Um, this one's sad. I, I don't want to watch for this that. show. Everyone's like, Why? Everyone's like, this is where you cross the line. Why? <laughs> people <laughs> like to it? tell me. People like to tell me. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, bitch. That line was crossed about three seasons this, ago. Why would they cross? Why did you cross the line? What? What? In the, I was. People didn't like that the rocket blew up with uh, oh, because of, of all the gorilla semen. I should have said that oh. his steroids or something. Come on. And not only that, Rebecca, she edited out the the like the, the most crazy bits. What's oh, anyways? Really? All right, she well, saved me for myself. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, this was we do not feel good about the Facebook watch. This is our thing. So let's pivot to a listener question roll tape. You've got you've got I can't believe I'm gonna be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, Karen Scott. It's Leland in New York. Given your access and insight to technology, how has what you have learned actually changed your actions as parents? During the gloom of the pandemic, we traded off the risk of our 11-year-old learning some new words from Cardi B for the joy that she got from dancing with TikTok. But now we're back to the usual concerns. Kids used to be able to mature in relative obscurity, making mistakes, having remorse, and changing. Today, the mistakes are permanent and public, while remorse and growth don't show up on Google. Our kids have to be adults before they actually mature or else fall behind by staying off the web. What real-world precautions do you recommend for other parents? Thanks very much. That's a really good wow, question from Leland. One. He's a good parent. Jeez. I'm going to give him my Leland. kids to raise. Well, Leland, will you adopt me? Yeah, My God, that guy sounded oh, very Oh, gosh. Very what do you thoughtful. think, Scott? I, you know, it's, it, you th I think about this all the time because now Claire is liking the moan. She calls it the moan, the phone. Uh, but we just show her photos on it. We make those... Apple has this thing where you can make little movies. It makes it itself by by you click on someone's uh, uh, face and it makes beautiful movies. I think about this all the time. I think this constantly. And, and you have teenage boys. I'm not I there do. yet. What what, um, how, what have you or what well, are the guardrails you, know, you put in place? it's hard to get it out of their hands. They, you know, they're not quite as jacked into the internet as I thought they would be. They use it for communication for sure. Uh, my One of my sons uses it for uh, watching a lot of videos, but they're kind of good videos. I have to say, I can hear mm -hmm. them in the background. Um, you know, he does a few memes that I'm, I mean, but it's entertainment. And so I'm mm -hmm. not feeling very bad about it. Um, there, there was, there, there have been issues over the years of videos they've done or, or little memes they've sent that, especially my oldest son, that were not good. You know what I mean? That had mm -hmm. problems and they got into trouble at school over them. Um, he was not the instigator of them, but he was still involved. Um, but you know, and there's been that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't take as many precautions as I should. Um, but I certainly am thinking about it a lot with Clara as a girl, especially, especially around self-esteem. And I, and there is a difference of how girls and boys interact on these things. I would never let her use Instagram for kids. Um, I, 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 I think they shouldn't have phones in school. Um, I do think these streaming networks are kind of good in a lot of ways because we can pick and choose the movies that they see in the things. So she watches only Teletubbies because I enjoy it also. Um, so I, I, there's not any tech companies I trust with my children, I think. There's a couple others that are that are trying to do some good things like Roblox and others. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, the more I can keep them away from this stuff and jacked at the internet, probably the better. Scott? Yeah, the mo uh, one of the most stressful moments in, uh, in my life and one of the most frightening things I've ever encountered is slowly but surely 
my youngest um, uh, suffered or, uh, from device addiction. And mm -hmm. about three, two, three months when it was homeschooling and he was on his iPad all day and then, and then on video games and it just rewired his brain. And one day we just noticed even his voice was different and he had to be near uh, a device that would yes. give him some sort of interaction. And when he was off the devices, he was a different person. And it just like, it's like, when did this happen? And it was the first real look into addiction I had ever, um, I had ever experienced. And then when it's one of your kids, it's really yeah. jarring. Um, and so the problem is, as is how they socialize with their friends now. The communications. Um, and... And it, you say, well, just don't let them on their devices. And I'm like, anyone who says that doesn't have kids. Yeah, they need uh, to talk to their friends. Yeah. This is how they talk to their friends. So what we do is we just, we limit it by time. And we just say, all right, during the week, it used to be no devices during the week. That became impossible. Now we try to limit it to an hour during during the day. And then on weekends, we let them play in the morning. But there is something really, especially I think with the young male brain, I think it's, it actually rewires the male brain. I think with young women, it's, it's, uh, or girls, it's more like what you're talking about. And that is we put these nuclear weapons of destruction of self-esteem, you know, yeah. I would say boys bully verbally and physically, girls bully relationally, and yeah. then you put social media, and they are really brutal. I mean, yeah. they can be very mean to each other. But look, these companies haven't taken responsibility, and uh, I, I would like to see our, our school does not allow devices yes, uh, at school. Yes, ours does too. Yeah. They, have a little, they have a thing, they put them in when they come in. A but little. the stuff about your permanent record, the other issue you talked about mm -hmm. is, and I think this council culture, not no council culture, this, I think this, the latest, whether it was Reuters or Condé Nast deciding to punish people 10 years after a mistake they made when they were literally minors, they were younger than mm -hmm. 18. I think we have to start that zeitgeist bullshit from our society. I yeah. think you get to etch a sketch your history before the age of 18 for your professional life. And I think if you said something stupid on social media when you're 17, I just don't think it should Agreed. be allowed to haunt you. Agreed. Agreed on that. Um, except if it's egregious. There is egregious. There is some egregious. But well, yes. some minors are tried as adults when yes. they start killing people. Yes. But yes. we have enough Agreed. nuance to say if someone says something Agreed. stupid or off-color when they're 17, they shouldn't be fired Agreed. when they're 28. Agreed. And I think you take that into account in some ways. I mean, my I had an issue with a video at my son's school, and he was he didn't do the video, but he was in it. And, you know, I we made him apologize to the girls. It was a very anti-girl thing that the one of the teams did that he was on. And they he was there in the background laughing. And again, I, I, we he got up and apologized to the girls in a, in a public setting. He did this himself. Um, he's a really good kid. Um, and uh, but still, it was I was it was cringe inducing like, oh, what why? Why don't you leave? Like, but of course, you know, social pressure and things like that. It's really hard. Um, or maybe you didn't know it was being taped or whatever. In any case, it's, you're going to, any parent is going to deal with this issue over and over again. And especially as they get older in a much more sexualized way, you know, trading, the trading of pics happens. I'm sorry to tell you, Scott, but there's going to be that. It's going to happen. Um, and so, uh, so that's, you have to really pay attention at the same time. You don't want to be sort of this, let me have your phone. You can't use it because it does it, it, it does hinder them in so many ways, especially with online. Because a lot of like, by the way, all their classes are online and their assignments, they're all their assignments. And, you know, nobody, everyone operates in an online environment at that school, at least for mm -hmm. assignments and homework and turning it in and writing it up. I am going to be so relieved next year when everything's in person. And by the way, Clara's going to school too. Um, but it's... Uh, 
I'm just going to be so relieved when everything's in person. I can't even, I think it's been a big experiment in crappy education this during the pandemic. But there's, uh, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I mean, another thing you have to contend with is that I think that there's some, and I have two boys, so I think about uh, uh, boys a lot. I think there is an advantage and there's something to their aggressive, you know, rebellious exploration where they don't get caught. I, yeah. I don't. Now they get caught on everything. Yeah. Now, now everything. Give me your phone. Give me your password, and you see everything they've done the last twenty four yeah. hours. I don't know if that's good either. And when you their do mom, that? Asks, I don't do that. I don't do. Well, that. that's the thing. When their mom says, this, "Here's about something at school," or "Here's about something off color with one of the kids," and says, "All right, everyone's phone." I'm like, I think they need some room and some privacy to screw up. Mm-hmm. And if I look at the, you know, the shit I got into, first off, I, my, when my mom left at eight in the morning, we didn't see each other until 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, the kids have, kids are so over-programmed and so Agreed. over-supervised that there's a difference between guardrails and concierge and bulldozer parenting where they don't learn, you know, uh, it's that Jonathan Haidt notion. We use so many sanitary napkins on their life. They don't develop their own immunities. Yeah. It's a tough balance. And these these companies, keep in mind, these companies are not concerned with their children. Yes, they want to addict the, them. Certainly. They want to addict them. These devices are purposely, and these social media platforms are purposely addicted, addictive. I think you can get involved in your school. Uh, I'm really thankful our school does a really good job. The only thing we seem to be able to do is to put a time clock on it. But I'm not exaggerating. When we go in to the den and we ask our youngest to get off of Minecraft or whatever he's playing, it's literally like telling someone to stop smoking crack. Yeah. He looks, I mean, he literally looks at me like, yeah. Nemo self, kill father and sleep tonight. <laughs> It's just it's now you've just, gone too far. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I now mean, you haven't. I agree with you. I agree. It's really it's addictive. There's no question. And one of you know we believe that kids should make mistakes. And obviously, you know Scott Galloway always makes mistakes, and right here publicly, and we love I'm it. Going to space with Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a great question, Leland. Um, I I if I had to name, I guess I guess Roblox. I suppose if I had to name a company, um, there's several others that try really hard. Um, and 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 by the way, pick and choose what they're watching watching on television too. That's what I do. That's that's the one great thing about streaming now is you can really pick and choose and you don't have to be part of an endless, you know, vomit, vomiting up of ads and stuff like that for kids. Um, So by the way, just just a quick note on space. Yeah. These guys are tempting disaster. Every really terrible decision usually involves in the corporate world involves ego and these guys competing against each other. And this is where capitalism meets space exploration. Mm-hmm. There'll be mm-hmm. some externalities. And that is you now have three megalomaniacs. And that's probably not true of Richard Branson. But uh, three three people who explicitly or implicitly are putting pressure on their organizations to get them into space. And I'm telling you, Kara, mm. uh, space travel is expensive and really dangerous. Yeah. They are, is this they your are prediction? tempting. They are tempting disaster. It's just... Um, It'll be really, uh, I don't know, the whole thing, quite frankly, and I'm, I, I'm more anxious as I get old, the whole thing makes me nervous because I think that there's now individuals nobody wants to let down, and they've announced through their press that they are going to go into space. Uh, this is the space travel. And by the way, it might be worth it. I had a, a kid who works with me say, I think it's wonderful that billionaires are spending money on exploring space and opening new worlds. And I'm like, that's a nice optimistic view. Yeah, It'll come at a cost and the cost will be more than money. It is dangerous, expensive work, space travel. Okay. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, you just sort of predicted something with space travel that Jeff Blaze is going to blow up. I believe that's what you're just saying, or one of them is going to, there's odds are. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe they'll come back safely or not come back at all uh, and stay there and live and enjoy themselves up in space. Um, but what is your prediction besides that dire prediction? I think we're going to see, um, I think we are going to see uh, an examination of the difference between income and wealth. We're going to hear a lot more about uh, what it means to be wealthy and what is your role as a citizen. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. And I don't know if it's going to be a wealth tax. I think most likely they'll go after trusts. I think real estate taxes are probably a lot of those loopholes are going to be closed. But we have hit, I, I really, I, I'm very encouraged. I think a lot of immunities are kicking in. And people have said, you know, enough is enough. And I think COVID-19 has really laid bare a lot of those, a lot of those externalities. Mm -hmm. But we're probably going to see some sort of um, AMT introduced where so it says, AMT, all right. AMT, explain how that would work. It's just alternative minimum tax. It says, okay, if you, if you reported $10 million in income or wealth or whatever it is, and you ended up paying less than X percent, we want you to pay at least X. And yeah. I mean, that's what the, the, the AMT, basically the new G7 uh, intra-sovereign intra or the, the international tax treaty is basically saying these guys are going to have an AMT of 15 percent. And that mm -hmm. is they've got to pay at least 15 percent on their profits. Mm -hmm. And no matter what tax deductions or, or gymnastics or low tax domain they manage to get into, the minimum is going to be 15%. Oh, and I think that's the beginning. I think we're about to see a lot more of that. And um, what happens is, I mean, to a certain extent, it's sort of the bad LBO of America. And LBO mm -hmm. is uh, people show up, uh, layer a company with debt, take that out- That is a leverage then, buyout. But go ahead. A leverage buyout, and then take out a bunch of um, payments or dividends to themselves or lever it up more and get take all their money out and then say to the company, all right, best of luck to you. And if things work, you know, we, we want 
even more money back. There's been sort of an LBO of America, and that is we've issued incredible debt. It's like, well, our debt has skyrocketed. Our government spending really hasn't gone up that much as a percentage of GDP until the last year. Mm -hmm. Taxes on on the middle class and uh, the lower lower income have not, actually not gone up. They've stayed flat. What's changed is that we've decided to lower taxes as a percentage of GDP on on the wealthy. So and I think that, that I'd, I, I think that's changing. And yeah. so, anyways, I think this G seven tax treaty is going to. Uh, there's going to be different forms of it that come into America, and I think there's going to be some sort of AMT on the top one percent. Certainly, put a lot of energy into Elizabeth Warren and all the all those who are calling for this for sure, one hundred percent. And there's more to come. They they only did five really of the, of the people. Um, I'm going to make a prediction, Scott. Go for it. Uh, so. I just noticed, nobody really knows, Carolyn Everson, who has been working at Facebook forever, very close to Sheryl Sandberg, is leaving the company after a long time. I mean, I'm assuming mm -hmm. she's just retiring and she's got a lot of money and everything else. I think it's going to be a hot summer for Facebook, and I would see some other major executives there leaving. Um, there's a book coming out by Shira Franklin, Cecilia Kang of the New York Times, called An Ugly Truth Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. I think mm -hmm. there are some things in here that are not going to be good for many executives there. So I, I haven't read it. I haven't seen it, but I, I am hearing a lot. They're very worried at Facebook internally about it. Um, They're and, worried about the book? Yes. And so we'll see. We'll see. I just think, you know, I saw Carolyn leaving. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people front loading this situation. What, why wouldn't she go be, I would think it's, uh, I've met her once. She struck me as a very Carolyn. talented executive. She is, why, yeah. why wouldn't she go be the CEO of TikTok or something? I don't know. Maybe she is. I don't know. Yeah. She is a very competent executive. She's been their ad chief for a long time. Uh, anyway, I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's going to be quite a few departures and a, a real turnover there. I think at some point it's so wearying and exhausting and it's especially there's going to be a drumbeat around this book. It just, it, this isn't going to stop for them. And so at some point these executives are like, that's, I've had enough or something like that. Or maybe I should get it. Or I don't want this to be what I have to say at dinner parties or I don't know. I just, I don't I have a feeling. That's my feeling. That's your feeling? That's my feeling. That's my feeling. I just, I, it didn't get a lot of attention, Carolyn leaving. And she's a very important executive. And also someone who's been very close to Cheryl Sandberg in the past. They're, they're very good friends. Anyway. Don't forget, if there's a story in the news that you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, go to nymag.com slash pivot and submit a question for the show. Leland, your question was excellent. I love all the excellent questions we get. Scott, read us out and try not to cross a line, okay? Try. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. By the way, this is the third take of the credits because the dog is feeling salty and I did an NC-17 read on the first one and everyone's saying no. So here we go. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Yeah, we thank him every week. Snooze. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts or an Android user. Check us out on Spotify or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Box Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Kara, have a great weekend. Thank you, Scott.